Hey everyone, this is Chad Harms, the pastor of Creekside Bible Church. Thanks for taking some time to listen to my latest sermon, an Easter sermon about responding to the resurrection. On Sunday, Easter Sunday, we had an incredible gathering of people and many decided to dedicate their lives to Jesus after listening to the sermon. And I want to publicly say thank you to God for moving through my words. It's humbling and exciting at the same time. But I also want to say to you that if you listen to this sermon and you kind of hear Jesus saying hello to you and choose to respond to him after hearing it, then I would love for you to reach out to us and let us know. You can go to creekside.me slash respond. That's creekside.me slash respond to let us know that God has used this sermon to touch your life. We would love to be able to pray for you. We'd love to be able to help you in your new journey with Christ. And we'd just be excited to hear that God is using the work that we're doing as a ministry. And so please, please, please let us know if God uses these words to touch your life, to change your life in any way. Again, thanks for listening. I really do hope that this sermon will help you to learn and live more fully for the glory of God. Do you remember your first date? Maybe some of you haven't had that yet. That's fine. But uh, I don't remember my first date. I do remember, though, the first time I went out with the girl who became my first uh, official girlfriend, my first real girlfriend, when I was 17 years old. And I I should just tell you that before uh, going out on this date and during this date, I was totally scared of girls. I remained that way for much of my life. My wife still scares me a little bit. Um, And... And so I was just totally scared of, of girls, and uh, I ended up, uh, some of my buddies knew I was scared of girls, and so they lied to me and told me this girl who I thought had pretty blue eyes uh, had my keys, and so I went up to her and said, hey, I think you have my keys, and she looked at me like I was a strange person, and it kind of forced this conversation, and, uh, and, and I asked her out, and she said no, uh, and then she hit me up on AOL Instant Messenger, you remember AOL Instant Messenger dating myself? Yeah, and she's like, hey, how, how's your relationship with God? And I'd grown up in a Christian home, but my relationship with God was pretty much non-existent. But I knew the perfect answer because I grew up in a Christian home. I just said, oh, it could be better, which is always true, right? And so I didn't have to tell her it was hardly there at all. I just told her it, it could be better. And so she said, "Let's, hey, do you want to go to church with me? This is my, my first date. And, uh, you know, a lot of kids are going to, like, roll in with flowers or whatever, like, hey, I'm here for my first date. But I knew that this girl loved Jesus, and so I uh, grabbed a CD. It was my uncle's CD. I took out the Jay-Z CD, and I put in this Christian CD that my uncle had, and I rolled up to her place blasting my Christian music, like, hey, what's up, everybody? I'm here to date you or whatever, and Date went well, dated six months, broke my heart, long story short, not important for this event. But what I remember so much about, about that date, about, frankly, every first date I've ever been on, is that it's this weird, strong mix of both fear and excitement. 
There's a lot of things in life that do that to us. We, we, uh, we think that fear and excitement are polar opposites, but when we stop to kind of process our own experiences, uh, there's a lot of events in our life that really produce both of those emotions very strongly. Like if you've ever been, uh, you know, any kind of first thing you do, right? Like first high school basketball game, I remember that. My mouth just went totally dry. Like I, I literally had no spit left. It was over. I mean, my first child being born, my second, I was over in the corner doing work. Like, eh, he'll come out eventually. But, but like when, when they put Hazel in my arms, right, my daughter, it's like, whoa, like this is awesome and I really don't want to drop you or mess you up emotionally, or, you know what I mean? I still feel that way about, about Hazel. Hudson runs his head into everything all the time, so there's no chance. But, um, but you know that mixture? Like this, just so excited and joyful, and then, and then, like, so scared at the same time. And I think that those moments, those moments where we feel fear and we feel excited where we feel joy are moments that are ripe with possibility. I think that that's, that's what creates those emotions together. There's possibility for very negative things, and there's possibility for very positive things. Like on that first date, right, I'm thinking like, hey, this is, this is the start. We're going to be married. We'll have five kids. I didn't tell her any of this. But like this is the beginning of something great, you know. But also at the same time, I'm like, I'm going to say something dumb. I'm going to not know what to say at all. I'm going to sit there and look at her like, hey, how's it going? You know, and be a creeper. She's not going to like me. She's going to tell her friends what a nerd I am. It's going to go terribly. Do I open the door? What do I say to her parents? What if they hate my guts? All of these things are running through your head. But also, like, this could be the one. I didn't really think that. But, like, hey, this is awesome. Where is this going to lead? There are tons of things in our life that are ripe with possibility, negative and positive, and they produce in us an intense level of excitement, joy, but also an intense level of, of fear. Let me turn a corner and bring it back to the reason that we're here today, and that is the resurrection. And I would just, I mean, maybe you've never heard the story. If you haven't heard the story of Jesus dying and rising again, you just need to know that for now. We'll come back to it. But like, Jesus died and rose again. That's what we think. But some of you, you know, have been in church a long time since, you know, your 80th Easter you're celebrating. I would like you just, just for like a, a second to really consider, does it produce in you any emotion at all? But does it produce in you Joy and excitement. You know, here's what I propose this morning. I propose that the resurrection is so ripe with opportunity that it should cause us to be both scared and joyful. I know Easter is all about the joy and we just like to be excited and sing our happy songs. But if this story is true, what does that mean? Like, what does that mean for your life? What does that mean for the world? What does that, what does that mean? And today we're going to look at, at the very first Easter 
surprise. I'm going to talk to you about the day that Jesus rose from the grave. And what we discover is that the women who witnessed it, who probably had more keen understanding of, of all of the possibilities, both good and bad, what is this about? They were excited. They were also scared. And here's how this story begins. In Matthew 28, 1, after the Sabbath at dawn on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to look at the tomb. Now, Mark and Luke, the other two synoptic gospels, there's three books in the Bible that are called the synoptic gospels. They're called Matthew, Mark, and Luke. And they're called the synoptic gospels because they're all pretty similar in how they tell the stories. And in Mark and Luke, when it talks about these women going to Jesus' grave after he has been tortured and killed, it says that they went to put spices on him. But Matthew, he just says they went to look. And I think it's kind of profound because so many people I know, maybe some of you, maybe that's why you're here today. Maybe you're here on Easter because you just, you just kind of want to look. Like, what's up with this Jesus thing? Why are people all around the world going to church this morning? Why are people so excited about this man? I mean, even as you came this morning, we're singing songs to Jesus, and it's like you're singing songs to a man that died 2,000-plus years ago. What's that all about? And these women, I think, they did. They loved Jesus, and they wanted to bury his body properly. But they also just kind of wanted to see what the tomb looked like if anything had changed. And so they go. Very early, on the first day after Sabbath, they go to look at the tomb. And this morning, I just say, my goodness, this is what I love about Easter. I love that so many people show up just to take a look. And if you came this morning and you're like, you're just thinking like, I don't know about all this. That's fine. That's fine. I'm so glad you're here because I think looking is the first step. And we'll see that in the next verses that without the look, they would have never seen. And if you're here this morning, you're like, I don't know about it. I just, I just wanted to take a peek. I just wanted to look awesome. I'm glad you're here. Hopefully, you'll see this morning. This is how the story continues in verses 2 through 4. There was a violent earthquake, for an angel of the Lord came down from heaven and going to the tomb, rolled back the stone and sat on it. His appearance was like lightning and his clothes were white as snow. The guards were so afraid of them that they shook and became like dead men. All three of those synoptic gospels that I mentioned, they all talk about these angels. It's very fascinating. There's so much going on in that little section, isn't there? And I'm not going to talk about it very much at all, but there's so much. There's an earthquake, and there's a stone rolling away, and there's angels. And then these guards, these Roman soldiers, who, have, who are sitting outside of the tomb, to protect it, to make sure that nobody can steal the body. They see these angels. They see the stone rolled away. They feel the earthquake. And they're so scared, they just, they just become like dead men. I was in a psychology class while I was getting my master's degree, uh, some kind of counseling class, and we were talking about uh, the bodily response to just being scared. You know, you have that fight or flight kind of thing. But sometimes your body can just shut down and you're overwhelmed with fear. And this guy told this story and uh, it always stuck with me and I want to tell it to you. He said that he was 
out in the forest. I don't know if he was hunting or whatever. And he saw this grizzly bear that he said, now that, look, this is like the fish gets longer as you, after you catch it, the years go by, right? But he said that the grizzly bear, if it would have been up on its hind legs, probably could have touched a second story. He sees it. The grizzly bear sees him. That's worse. And it charges him. And he says the grizzly bear stops right in front of him. And his whole body shut down. He didn't run. He didn't make a sound. I don't know if I can say this in a sermon. He pooped his pants, literally. And whatever these tough guards see, in this moment, and, and, and I know, you know, you go, it's, it's in the Bible, should I believe it? But man, these are people that had firsthand or secondhand knowledge writing these stories down. And they're saying, look, this is what we heard from, from the guys that, that know. I mean, this isn't like they wrote it down a thousand years later and like, hey, let's make some stuff up. This is like, hey, hey, let's go ask them. Let's go talk to the guards. What happened? And whatever they saw that surrounded this resurrection of Jesus was so powerful and frankly so scary that they became like dead men. Now I want to point out an interesting detail here. I think it's, it's valuable. The, the stone is rolled away. And, and when I've pictured this literally before this week, I think every time I've celebrated Easter, uh, every time we've produced some kind of video for Easter, I always picture the stone kind of breaking open and, and then Jesus popping out, flexing his muscles and glowing. Maybe it's just me. I don't know why. But that's kind of how I, I picture this story. But what's so clear here is that the stone rolls away and Jesus is already gone. The rolling away of the stone isn't so that Jesus can walk out. I love this. It is so the women can look in. Jesus is gone. He's come back to life, and we'll see this in the angel's words. But the stone rolls away so that these women, and later Jesus' friends, his followers, they could look in and see that the resurrection was true. Listen to what the angel says. This is awesome. The angel said to the women, do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. For I know that you are looking for Jesus who was crucified. He is not here. He is risen just as he said. Come and see the place where he lay. Then go quickly and tell his disciples he has risen from the dead and is going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see him. Now I have told you. These women are, are looking for Jesus, and I think that's a great starting point. And, and maybe you don't even know. Like, you, you came to see today, but maybe in your souls, you don't even know that you're looking for Jesus. I have people so close to me that I know are desperate for Jesus. They're longing for Jesus, but they, they'll look in everything else for, for what Jesus offers. I mean, I know people who who change jobs all the time because they're looking for, for what I believe Jesus offers. I know people who, who mask the, the internal hopelessness through drugs and alcohol. I know people who, who are always trying to fill themselves up with television because they don't really like their own lives. And I'll tell you, I think it's because they're looking. They don't know what they're looking for, but they, they're, they're searching, they're seeking, they want what Jesus has to offer. 
C.S. Lewis and many people after him that kind of steal his stuff, they, he described this, this kind of gap in our souls that only, only Jesus can fill. And these women, I think, knew. They walked on earth with him. Keep that in mind, right? And they had been around him. They had hung out with him. They had helped support his ministry. They had been a big part of his ministry. They knew that this Jesus man, he was the only one who had ever left their souls feeling satisfied. Sure, our brains can feel good, our, our bodies can feel good, but Jesus was the only one who deep in the places that nobody else can see had satisfied them. Walking around with him had changed their lives. Watching him heal people, watching him raise the dead, watching him feed people had, had changed their lives, but even more, the way that he was, who he was, had changed them, had filled them in a way that they had never been filled. And it's so, it, isn't it interesting? This angel says, hey, you're looking for Jesus. He was dead and they were still looking for him. How important is someone to you when you need to go out to their tombstone. And these women, they knew Jesus was dead, but he had, he had fulfilled them in a way that they had never been fulfilled. And so they, they go to look because they, they want to see Jesus, even dead. The angel emphasizes that idea that he was dead. He says, Jesus who was crucified and it draws our attention back to Matthew 27 man if you've never read Matthew 27 read Matthew 27 and it's what we celebrated on Good Friday we spent a lot of time looking at Matthew chapter 26 and 27 which is all about Jesus arrest his torture and his crucifixion Jesus is rejected Jesus is condemned and Jesus is killed and there is no doubt in these people's minds, that he was dead. And the angel wants him to remember. He doesn't want him to go like, eh, maybe he was dead or whatever. I mean, they knew already, but he's like, you, you know, this is the same Jesus. He was crucified. You saw him hanging on a cross. That's the one you're looking for. But he is not here. He is, he has risen. The angel says it twice. He is, he is risen and then he is risen from the dead it's very simple claim isn't it but it's a crazy claim i mean he's he's dead you know he's dead you watched him die you watched him suffer you watched his people beat him up you watched his people put a crown of thorns into his head you watched as he was whipped and scourged so his back no longer looked human you watched him be nailed to a tree and then you watched him breathe his last and then you watched as somebody stuck a spear in his side to make sure that he was really dead and then the angel says, he is risen from the dead. I feel like it should have been a little more glorious. Like a harp or something would have really been helpful. But uh, I mean, like, I don't know. Maybe they said it in an angelic voice. Like, he is risen from the dead. Like that. I don't know how this went down, but that's not the way the story was told. It's so plain. It's so straightforward. It's so simple. It came back to life. It came back to life. 
just, I want you to pay attention to this too, just as he had said. It's not like Jesus was, was surprised by what happened to him. I mean, a week ago, we celebrated here at our church uh, Palm Sunday when Jesus enters into Jerusalem and he spends a whole week going in and out of Jerusalem, talking to God, praying, saying, hey, I really don't want to go through this, but if I have to go through it, I'll go through it. Like your will, not my will. Like he knows what's going to happen to him and he's already told his disciples. I mean, listen to this verse before he died, but after I have risen, I will go ahead of you into Galilee. He knew he was going to die and he knew he was going to come back to life. And what we're left with, and you can deny it if you want, but it, it, to me it's incredible, it's incredible evidence, and it, it's frankly, it's just very compelling. I mean, Jesus predicted his resurrection, the angels told of his resurrection, the women testified to his resurrection, the disciples witnessed the resurrection, and then entire religion, Christianity, is built upon this resurrection because those same disciples gave their lives. They died. Because they believed in the resurrection. And the angel said, come and see, come and see. You've come to look, so come and see. Man, I think that's the call for so many of you to, to really just see. To recognize that, that what you need is Jesus resurrected. And, and while... These Gospels, the book of Matthew, they're not so concerned with the theology of, of why Jesus rose. They just are saying like, hey, he rose. Which in and of itself, you gotta be like, wait, really? Like that, that at least deserves a really. Like are, are we sure? Is that true? You should at least see. You should at least look, right? Like, ah, like is that real? Because without any of the theology, without any of the reasons that that's important, Without knowing anything else, the claim that a man was crucified and then came back to life is worth investigating. But the New Testament tells us why, and, and the why is so important. Romans 4.25, he was delivered over to death for our sins and was raised to life for our justification. Romans 10.9, if you declare with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. I don't know if you know this, but, but what I believe as a, as a man, as a Christian, what we believe as a church, what many of the people sitting next to you believe is that uh, this part you believe too. We've all done things that are wrong. I mean, that's the easiest part of my job is telling people that they've done things they shouldn't have done because everybody's like, yeah, absolutely. But what separates Christians from those who aren't Christians is that on top of believing that we had done things wrong, we believe that that wrongness, those sins, those things that we have done that we regret so terribly have not just made us feel bad, they've actually created a separation between us and God. And God, he looked down and he didn't go, zap, I'll start again, I'll end all of you. He could have, he could have. I and mean, that's how the story could have ended. But instead, out of what we call grace and what all of us call love, he looked down and he came in the person of Jesus. 
born at Christmas, as we just talked about. He lived perfectly and sinlessly. He never did anything he regretted. He never did anything that separated him from God. He never did anything that was wrong. That should make you look, right? What's this claim? That somebody never did anything wrong? That somebody never raised their voice in the wrong way? That somebody never told a lie? That's incredible. But at the end of that sinless and perfect life, he was arrested tortured and crucified and he did it for our sins the things that we had done wrong now before you go like lots of people were crucified whatever yeah that's i mean lots of people died no big deal what we believe is that jesus didn't just die an excruciating physical death that's not even the important part it's just the part that we can understand the important part is that when he hung on that cross he paid the price of hell everything you've done wrong jesus paid for he was buried, and then he came back to life, conquering death, making it so that we could be justified, that we could be made right with God, and making it so that we could conquer death ourselves and live in eternity with him. That's the claim of Christianity. That's the reason that this resurrection is so important. If he is still dead, then we are still in our sins and we have nothing to look forward to after this life. So I hope you like it a lot. But if he rose, think of the possibilities. What does that mean for you and for me? It's ripe with opportunity, both negative and positive. If Jesus rose and you reject him, you aren't saved, according to Romans 10.9. If Jesus rose and you do accept him, it requires that you live your life for him. And what does that mean? One of the most difficult things about being a Christian, let me level with you, is that God doesn't tell me exactly how things are going to go. I wish that there was the Bible, and then there was this other book called like Chad's Bible, and we, I just was like, oh, tomorrow this, this is what's going to happen, exactly what God wants me to do. I don't know. I too, like you, wake up and have days changed in a single moment. And still, by the requirements of God, by, by my own profession of faith in Jesus as Lord and Savior, I still have to navigate and say, Jesus, how am I going to live for you today? There are times when not living for Jesus would be way easier. Anybody that you see on TV or go to another church or whatever, and they're like, hey, living for Jesus is way easier, that's just to get you to give them money uh, at their church. But, but I'm telling you, I want to tell you the truth. Sometimes living for Jesus is harder. There are times when I'd love to lie. There are so many times when I don't want to tell people I'm sorry, but Jesus tells me I need to. I hate it. I do. It's the worst. Living for Jesus is hard. But if he really rose, it's worth it, right? I mean, the reality, the reality is this, this should produce in us a deep level of emotion the New American Commentary, this book about the book of Matthew in the Bible says the resurrection demonstrates Christ's vindication by God who reestablishes him in heaven as the Lord of the cosmos. It is the most spectacular 
of all the biblical miracles and from a human perspective, the most incredible of Christianity's claims. If it is false, Christians are of all people most to be pitied. If it is true, it guarantees the coming bodily resurrection of all believers. That is ripe with possibility. Now let's just be clear here. These women in our story, they're exactly where you are. They have now heard a claim that Jesus rose from the dead, but they have not encountered him. They don't know it to be true and listen to what it says about them. So the women hurried away from the tomb, afraid, yet filled with joy, and ran to tell his disciples. Suddenly Jesus met them. Greetings, he said. They came to him and clasped his feet and worshipped him. I mean, the way that I would have liked the story to have gone if I was the woman was like, as soon as I heard it, I saw the angels, the tomb was rolled away, the stone was rolled away from the tomb. Like, I just was like, woo, dance party, you know, like, this is awesome, this is incredible. But they go away having heard exactly what we've heard through the Bible. He was dead, he came back to life. And they are afraid, yet filled with joy. I mean, can you just, just imagine for them knowing Jesus like, you know, face to face, in a physical way while he walked the earth. They got to be thinking like, what does this mean? What's going to happen now? I mean, where do we go from here? Is this true? Is it not true? Like, like I mean, are we going to be killed like he was killed? I mean, do we start again? Like, what does this look like? I mean, the confusion had to be incredible. It was ripe with negative possibilities. In fact... For the disciples, they're going to be beat up. They're going to be arrested multiple times. They're going to be thrown in jail over and over. One's going to be exiled to an island with criminals. One's going to be hung upside down on a cross to die. But it's also ripe with positive opportunity. If this is true, then the one who satisfies me is alive again. If this is true, then everything he said before that didn't quite make sense to us about his death and resurrection makes sense. If this is true, he actually is the promised one that we have longed for for thousands of years as a nation. If this is true, then we will have a new joy and a new hope and a new peace and a new love. If this is true, it's life-changing. They're afraid and yet filled with joy. And I'll tell you, just, I mean, just, I, I don't know. Like maybe, maybe this is your first time hearing about the resurrection and I hope I explained it well enough that you're like, that's a big deal. And that's, that's what this guy's up there saying. I don't know if I believe it, but that's a big deal. I mean, maybe some of you, you've, you've heard it, but you've pretty much ignored it. Like, you're just like, yeah, I've heard the whole thing before. I know what Easter's about. This guy should have come up with a more creative sermon. Like, I've heard it, you know, like, like this, whatever. I mean, maybe some of you you've, you, you've heard it, but you only think about it on Easter. It's like a once-a-year deal for you. You show up, and you sing your songs, and you feel good about being on, here on Easter. Maybe some of you have heard it, you've embraced it, but you don't really live like it's true at all. And I would just say today that if we learn anything in this story, if you take away anything, I think that, that one of the biggest things God wants me to tell you is that we, 
take too lightly the idea of Jesus coming back from the grave. And when we look at these women who encountered it firsthand, they were afraid and yet filled with joy. And you at the thought of Jesus being dead and coming back to life should be afraid yet filled with joy. Then this thing happens. In our NIV translation of the Bible that we use here, Jesus says greetings, which sounds pretty official, sounds pretty Jesus-like to me. Uh, more accurate, uh, probably, translation to, for us, is gonna, I'm going to blow your mind with my intelligence right now, is like, hello, hi. That's the, that's the more accurate kind of idea here, the greeting. Jesus is like, what's up? And then, and then it's incredible, at the sound of hello, they fall down and worship Jesus. At hearing Jesus rose, they were afraid and filled with joy, but after encountering the resurrected Jesus, they worshiped. They worshiped. Here's the deal. I, I think that many of you have probably encountered Jesus, not in a physical way, but you've encountered him in some way, and, and yet you've chosen to ignore him you know that Jesus somewhere in your heart, not physically, but somewhere in your soul, right? Somewhere in the places I mentioned earlier that others cannot see. Somewhere in there, you know that Jesus has said, hey, hello, I'm real. Live for me. Give me your life. I want to be in a relationship with you. Jesus is like, hey. Probably not in that voice, but Jesus is like, hey, like that. And you're, you have the exact opposite response to these women. You're just like, ignore it. Don't think about it. I don't want to talk about it. But that's the wrong response. Because that's only going to leave you afraid of all of the opportunities, all of the possibilities that come out of the resurrection. When you worship him, that afraid yet filled with joy mostly just turns into joy. I thought, I thought this week, like, like, why do I believe that Jesus rose from the grave? Really early on, like, when I started to think about Easter, there was, uh, I listened to this podcast called This American Life. I don't know if you've ever heard of This American Life. You probably have because it's one of the more famous podcasts. But uh, they had a couple of things recently that, that really were evidence to me of the existence of God. And I was like, man, they're not even, these are not Christian people. They're not trying to prove the existence of God. They just kind of said these things that, where they were like, well, that has to point to God, but we're not going to say it does. And, and I mean, you, you can look these up. Hermes paradox or the, the quantum physics and free will kind of tension. I know, it sounds boring, right? You're glad I didn't go that way. But then I was like, I don't believe in Jesus' resurrection because of those things. I'll tell you, the reason that I believe in Jesus' resurrection is because I've encountered him. I know that's awful evidence, but I just want to tell you that I have encountered Jesus. And the way that I can best illustrate that without going into too many details is there's this Easter song 
not one we'll sing here, but it's a song that I put on every single Easter, and, and it's this song that every single time, even though I know this one particular line at the very end is coming, it's a, it's a line that makes me tear up because I know it's true for me. And let me give you the chorus first, not the main line. This song's called Redeemer by Nicole C. Mullen. Now I know my Redeemer lives. I know my Redeemer lives. Let all creation testify. Let the life within me cry. I know my Redeemer he lives to take away my shame. He lives forever, I'll proclaim. That the payment for my sin was the precious life he gave. Now he's alive, and there's an empty grave. That's the claim, right? But why do I embrace that claim? And it's what she says in this little, I don't know what you call it, bridge, finishing thing, conclusion. At the end, she says, I know that I know that I know that I know he lives because of him, I can face tomorrow. He lives. And then this is the line that every time gets me because it's so true for me. I spoke with him this morning. I don't know. I just think Jesus shows up. He says hi to us. I believe that many of you this morning probably showed up because God was like, hey, what's up? And you rolled into here, and now maybe, just maybe, I hope, this is my prayer, I hope that God in, in, in your souls is saying, hello, hello. You're not going to be evidenced into believing in Jesus, but I believe that Jesus calls all men unto himself. And he's whispering in some of your ears this morning saying, hey, give me your life. And you have a choice in the in." in light of the resurrection that produces fear and joy, as Jesus whispers hello into your ear, you have the decision to go and walk away or to fall down and worship him. And I'll tell you, worshiping him doesn't mean just singing a few songs as we finish this, this time together this morning. It means saying, Jesus, I believe because I've spoken to you, because I hear your voice, I believe that you died for my sins and you rose again so that I could be made right and live in eternity with you and I will give you my life. I'll give you my life. I want to read this just one last verse, the, the end of this story. Then Jesus said to them, do not be afraid. Isn't that interesting? Fear and joy, they encounter Jesus, they worship, and he's like, no more fear. Go and tell, I want you to pay such close attention to these, just these two words, my brothers, to go to Galilee, they, there they will see me. This term brothers is so fascinating because these men that he is talking about here, they have all utterly rejected him within just a couple days. I mean, they hid out, they denied knowing him, they fled. I mean, Jesus is arrested, and, and before he's arrested, like, we're all in, man, we're gonna be with you, we'll fight for you, we will die for you. And then Jesus is arrested, and like, yeah, you're on your own. Peter literally calls down curses on himself when people think that he knows him, knows Jesus. He's like, no, 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 I promise, I swear that that's not true. And Jesus, immediately after coming back to life, doesn't say, hey, tell those scumbags, tell those, tell those chokers, tell those guys that didn't have my back, tell those betrayers of mine, you tell my brothers I'm alive. 
And I know that one of the hang-ups that people have when they hear the whisper of Jesus in their souls, they say, I think Jesus wants me to give my life to him. But I've done too many bad things. It's not my style. I didn't grow up in church. My mouth is too foul. If you could only see the things that I've thought, if you could read the things that I've thought, I'm too far gone. I just want you to know, if you have blatantly disobeyed Jesus, openly mocked Jesus, or outright rejected Jesus, so did the disciples. And when Jesus came back to life, he said, you tell my brothers I'm here. Jesus wants to call you brother. He wants to call you sister. But you have to fall down at the whisper of his voice and say, I will give you my life. If you aren't a Christian, you should be afraid yet filled with joy. And if Jesus is whispering in your ear, hello, this morning, then I would say, man, give him, give him your life. And if you're a Christian who, who is just you've lived like the resurrection is not true. I mean, you haven't, you said, yeah, I believe that stuff, but you haven't worshipped him. You haven't thought about the resurrection since last year. You don't even know when the last time you talked to Jesus was, let alone worship Jesus. Then man, this morning in this story and what we celebrate here is a perfect time to say, Jesus, I'll fall down on my face in front of you again.